This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I am your host, Ishmael Johnson, joined, as usual, by Mike Craven. Mike, what's up, man? How's it going, everybody? Doing good. And producer Mal Pal. Mallory, how are you? Doing well. Doing, Doing well. well. It's a good day. Yeah. And uh, how are you feeling about this weekend's game for your oh. uh, mighty Spartans? Oh, I don't even want to talk about that. I, did you see my Instagram story by chance? Yes. You scrolled all the way to the bottom where uh, Michigan State's past defense is, I believe. Yes. Uh, <laughs> out of 130 FBS schools, what do you think we are ranked? 130? Yes, correct. <laughs> and we were playing CJ Stroud in Ohio State this weekend. <laughs> so, so. Uh, Luckily, so. not many wide receivers to cover. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah no, not in like, like five. Seven. Yeah. 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 Seven All-Americans. Right. If uh, Texas Lovely. was better recruiting, they might have none. But, you know, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. One, of, one of them could run a, a post route and end up at Texas's campus at one point. And he, <laughs> right, yeah, seriously. Poor so, Drew Maringer. Yeah, so that's going to, yeah, that's unfortunately that's what you're looking forward to. Um, <laughs> so I guess we should, we're a college football show, so we should technically talk about or I guess mention the college football playoff. Um, I did not yeah. watch it last night. We're recording this on Wednesday. Happened on Tuesday. Did not watch. I saw UTSA was up to 22. Mm-hmm. I saw Houston was up to 24. Cool. AM was down to 16. It's about all that I really care about. Um, so, yeah, congratulations for UTSA for moving up a little a little, a little smidge. And Houston cracking the uh, CFP playoff top 25 for the first time this year. So. Let's go. Uh, Baylor at 11. Baylor is at yes. 11. Yes. Oh, I forgot yes. about that. Baylor is at 11. Uh, I believe the only relevancy for the playoff for any of these teams is that Houston now potentially becomes a very interesting game for Cincinnati. Yeah, they, they can play some spoilers. Yeah, exactly. Right. Houston, so SMU can be spoiler this yes. weekend. Houston, yes. AAC. And then, you know, it, like say it ends up Baylor, Oklahoma State. Say Oklahoma State mm-hmm. runs the table, beats Oklahoma and Bedlam. You know, they're going to kind of hover right outside that top four waiting for other people to slip up or whatever. So Baylor could have you know, potentially kind of get to play spoiler. Again. I also wonder, like, so for Cincinnati, you know, they're presumably going to make this clash with Houston in the in the AAC mm-hmm. title game. Houston, I wonder how much the committee is going to respect Houston to bump them up because that could be a ranked matchup that could play into Cincinnati's favor if it comes down to it. Now, if they're 24 and Cincinnati beats them, they're not going to be ranked. And so therefore that point is mute. But I do wonder if like, does Houston creep up to 19? I don't think they'll get higher than that. But like if they creep up to like around 19 and they play Cincinnati and then lose close or whatever, maybe drop to that, you know, if they lose close and then Cincinnati has another ranked win that potentially boosts their chances. I think it should. I don't think it will just because the committee is very biased. They're all people, but, um, uh, I think that's kind of another interesting factor that now that Houston is ranked is like okay that's be, that's something potentially now. be in their favor right exactly because so right the, now they're the committee's still... rooting for Houston to lose a game oh my right? god yeah. Yeah. They're yes, just like, they're exactly like, Please, drop yes. right now. <laughs> the conspiracy theory is you know they're not they weren't ranking SMU high and they weren't ranking Houston high or any right. of the other AA schools so that way Cincinnati didn't have 
yes. any extra quality right. or wins where people could point and go, well, they just beat the 17th ranked team right. in the country or whatever. And so, right. yeah, well, that is a, that is a good point. It is interesting. Cause like the, you know, we say it doesn't matter past like six or seven. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. why do they do a top 25 or whatever? And it's right. so they can say this, resume, this win, this They can win, build out the resume win, a little bit more. And so right. uh, it does kind of like set, they set their own tone. It's yep. like when an SEC team loses to another SEC team. Like we don't really count that loss as a big deal because right. they're all ranked. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, some other news that dropped, I believe, earlier today on Wednesday, uh, Doak Walker semifinalist list came out. Uh, we have a we have some good Texas representation, maybe a little snub here and there. Sincere McCormick from UTSA, Bajan Robinson from Texas, Abram Smith from Baylor. No Isaiah Spiller, um, which you know, that's part of the the the, the double edged sword with playing with a kind of a tandem backfield with with Devonna Chain. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we've talked about Jimbo's kind of reluctancy to really just in some games to really embrace their power running ability. Um, that's hurt his numbers a bit. Uh, somebody like a Zach Evans well battled injury would definitely be there as well if he had been playing he's been playing more consistently um, and honestly this is just a great year for running backs I'm looking at Kenneth Walker Deuce Vaughn uh, uh, of course Deuce Vaughn uh, native Texan uh, I'm looking at Brees Hall like Travion Henderson like this is an insane year for running backs and so it doesn't surprise me that somebody like Isaiah Spiller gets mm-hmm. left out a little bit for having only a good and not great year so. Yeah. yeah, I think some of it's just kind of the perception of A&M's offense, yeah. too. You know, where, Jimbo, like, you know, Bajon Robinson gets the pass because people consider him just this, like, super freak of nature. Right. Um, whereas Isaiah Spiller, it's going to be more about the numbers. And if you look at his numbers, they're just not, you know, it's not like he's got 1,200 years. I don't know who you would take off that list. Like, right. I think the argument would be you take Bajon Robinson off the list. But I think he's on there because people see him as a generational kind of. I was talent. about to say, like he, he he's fallen off because obviously he's battled injury now. That we as as we know, and I think he's out basically yeah. for yeah, so. dislocated elbow. Um, right, which so sounds, oh, uh, miserable. Yeah, uh, hashtag let Bijan go pro, please. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like he he was such a, a such a stellar uh, talent for the first part of the year, especially that TCU game where he just became like he put his name in the Heisman category and the Heisman discussion for a little bit. And one name that I forgot that I just looked at the mentions of uh, Brett McMurphy, Jalen Warren, Oklahoma state. Yeah. He's had a huge year. That's a thousand yard rusher averaging five yards a carry 10 touchdowns. Like it's, it's a, it's a guy that's left out of the list and it's like, it's been a really good year for yeah. running backs. Well, so. Oklahoma State's the most underappreciated team in the country. I've got to watch a couple of their games just because they played Texas teams. Yes, and they're great. They're like, really they are they're really excellent. Good. We'll talk about them in, uh, towards the end of the show with that in that Tech game. But I think it goes to what we're how the how good this how this Oklahoma State team is good versus how good they are. I think mm-hmm. they're great defensively. This is Mike Gundy's best defense. Right. And they're and not, not in a Georgia, not in a Georgia way. So right. they're not like a uh, top three. They're not like historically great, but they're very good. And one of the top in the country and their offense, which is what they're known for, isn't quite as reliable outside of Jalen Warren. Right. And mm-hmm. so we're used to seeing Oklahoma State light teams up. And so that I don't that that's really interesting that. Yeah, you mentioned it. They're going to have like, you know, they're going to go into Bedlam and that's going to play a huge factor in how the Big 12 plays out, um, as we know now with Baylor and all that. Um. And they should be. I mean, of course, it will, it's one of those like we'll see it when we believe, uh, we'll believe it when we see it type things when beating Oklahoma. But they should be 
like, I don't want to say favored, but it shouldn't be expected to be another Bedlam game based on how Oklahoma State's playing. So, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, right now you'd have to take Oklahoma State straight just up. All, just, just off hot hand. Just, yeah, yeah, just like just how that Oklahoma offense doesn't seem to have an identity right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I don't even know who their quarterback's going to be going exactly. forward. So Nobody's uh, camped out in any and uh, it's in, buildings. And it's in Stillwater. <laughs> no student. Yeah, yeah that was, I was going to say, no, no students camped out in the library yet to see what's going on at Oklahoma practice oh, yet. <laughs> so we've got to figure that out and see if uh, maybe they boarded up all those buildings to oh. Lincoln Riley went Fort Knox on them to uh-huh. try and hide uh, the fact that Spencer Rattler's taking snaps or something. We've got canopies over the pre- over the practice fields. <laughs> right, stuff. exactly. Uh, all right. Well, we do got games this weekend. Let's get into them. Uh, Mallory, I will let you take it from here. We're going to start off with a Friday game. Houston hosting Memphis this weekend. The game's going to be at 8 p.m., you can watch it on ESPN2, and Houston is favored by eight and a half. Craven, you will be at this game. What are you thinking? I will be at this game. I just realized it's at 8 p.m. and not 7 p.m., so that changes some times oh, for me. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. I, I got to think about that drive now a little bit differently. Because <laughs> uh, my in my head, I was like, I'll just get there by 4.30. The traffic won't be bad. Right. No big deal. Now uh-huh. it's like, I don't want to kill three and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, this Memphis team is dangerous. We saw yeah. what they did to SMU when Hennigan, their quarterback, is healthy. That offense can, can be good and can put up a lot of points. They they put a scare into UTSA earlier this year where, you know, it kind of felt like last team to have ball was going to win that one as well. So, um, not – I mean, I was, I was kind of surprised to see this line over seven. Mm-hmm. Um, Friday night game – Houston's already clinched the their side of the American, so yeah. not as much to play for. They're kind of just playing for rankings and respect and a better bowl game, you know, because they, they already know uh, that they're going to play probably Cincinnati in a couple weeks. So kind of feels like one of those games you could sleepwalk into, and it feels mm-hmm. like a game that's going to be kind of a shootout. I would think it looks like the SMU-Houston game where it's a high-scoring back and forth. Well, we won't know who's going to be the winner until the fourth quarter, so I'm leaning more towards Memphis and the points. Yeah, I think that... I'm curious to see how, because this, this, is, this has been a hot and cold Memphis team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've mentioned how it's not the Memphis team of old, like especially the one that, you know, the SMU had the big clash with a couple of years ago that was on ESPN2 and it was kind of mid-major showcase. Yeah. It's not that caliber of team, but they are very sneaky good. This is a team that had UTSA on the ropes, team that beat that's beat SMU, but also a team that's lost to East Carolina, right, just last week. Uh, also a team that got drilled by uh, UCF. Granted, some of that, I think that game was Seth Hennigan kind of yeah. in and out, so he wasn't completely healthy. But, and and also this is a, I think this is one of the few tests for kind of the how good is Houston's defense really? Kind of this is a good this is a good test for that because we've talked about the strength of schedule. I don't want to keep harping on that, but specifically for that defense, it hasn't been challenged a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Granted. It's been stomping out teams it should be stomping out, right? Um, that SMU game is one game that you can look at. But also, outside of that, you got to go back to Tech when they were really tested. So I I just like using this as a barometer just to see, like, all the numbers say this Houston defense is top 10, top 8 in the country, like, by far. I'm curious. I just want to see. I like to see it get tested a little bit. And Seth Hennigan's that type of quarterback that is going to get that. It's going to be able to do that. And so I'm curious if this – is this a – you know, is Memphis have a lead at halftime? Is Memphis going into a fourth quarter? Like, is this a little bit of a uh, a game where, you know, you, is Clayton Tunes going to be like, okay, Houston's or Memphis's defense isn't great, and so I'm wondering if this is a game where he maybe ha- Clayton Tunes has to maybe push a little bit more and get in a little bit of a shootout, because you know uh, we've seen Houston's defense. I don't say crack, but 
you know, give up some scores. Um, and, and Clayton Tune showed the ability against uh, uh, USF, against SMU, where they get beat a couple times. They have to put up some points. Clayton Tune's able to do that. And so is this one of those games? I don't know. I, I think this is probably the last team before a conference championship where they'll have that challenge because I don't think UConn's going to do that next week. Mm-hmm. Right. If I'm Houston, I'm running the ball a yeah. lot. I mean, uh, Memphis gives up, I think, around 200 yards rushing a game. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you think you see a lot of Alta McCaskill, you know, Tajon Henry, those yep. kind of guys have have a big game. And then for Houston, I mean, we say this every week, but this is what it is. It's if they can get to Seth Hennigan yeah. and make him uncomfortable and move him from the spot, that Houston defense is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. If Memphis can figure out a way – to minimize that pass rush, the Houston secondary is gettable. They, yeah. You can get big plays against that that defense if you if you can afford yourself the time. So, going to be a chess match there, and I'd imagine you see Houston run the ball a decent amount of times, not only for the success it gives you on offense, but also take a little bit of pressure off their own defense. Yep. Right, and I think if Clayton Toon does have to throw the ball too, I think they'll be okay. I looked it up. Memphis ranks 107 in the nation for passing yards allowed mm-hmm. per game. So mm-hmm. if they do have to end up throwing the ball, you know they can kind of work on having a more of a balanced mm-hmm. offense and be okay. Yeah, and uh, Memphis is 77th in sacks allowed. They've allowed 24 this year. So again, it's not... It's not one of the worst in the country, but it's definitely not some. It's definitely not an offensive line that's gonna, you know, keep Seth Hennigan upright. And so, if that front seven can get to him, we'll see what happens. Up next, we have Texas A and M hosting Prairie View A and M this Saturday, November twentieth at eleven a.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus or SEC Network Plus, I believe. Uh, yeah, there's no spread for this game because Prairie View A and M is FCS, correct? Yes, yeah, So, yep. Um, it's actually a pretty decent Prairie View A&M I was about to say, they're seven, the best, the best in the two, SWAC. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're ranked I mean, first in the SWAC. I actually watched them play earlier this year against Central Arkansas. Jawan Pass, the old Louisville quarterback, yeah. is the, nice. the quarterback there. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that. They, I think it's hilarious that the SEC does this. Oh, yeah. Every, every year, <laughs> you know, there's always like, that one week. Yeah, yeah, they do it. It's like it gives themselves this like pseudo break week, you yeah. know, where yeah. it's like our schedule is so grueling that nobody could possibly do it every single week. Uh-huh. So we have to do this pay money game. And then I think it's genius for A&M to, to schedule Prairie View A&M as the one because they just it's like paying yourself right, right? Yes, it's like we'll pay you two million dollars to come play in college station prairie view a&m says yes and they wait on that check and a&m's like oh no we just wrote it to the a&m system right you know like, right, right. we didn't mean specifically it's genius. <laughs> so um yeah i mean not much to watch for in this game really right. i mean this is going to be a physical mess mismatch and that offensive line defensive line for a&m is going to look like uh it's going to be like varsity versus junior varsity in terms yeah. of just like development of human right there's mm-hmm. not many demarvian leals walking around and right you know, and outside of here, I can, Waller, Texas. Yes. That's, that's right outside of Waller. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we have to break this game down much. It's just right. about staying healthy and, you know, just put not making it close in the second half so you can play as many young guys right. as possible. Exactly. Get uh, This one for me is going to be about getting Zach Calzada confident again. Again, last week was a, was a pretty kind of put him in some rough situations. You know, you, you just kind of want him to go towards the end of the season. Get him some good throws, get the running game going again, get him off the field in the third quarter, and call it a day. So, nothing crazy here. Up next, we have Texas playing at West Virginia this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch this game on 
ESPN two West Virginia favored by three. And if you don't remember from last week, Texas did lose to Kansas. Let (laughs) me repeat. Texas lost to Kansas. We got to keep harping that because that is the thing that happened. (laughs) This Uh, is a big, big 11 o'clock showdown between two, four and six teams. Oh my God. (laughs) Like last week they were already relegated to whatever 11. What was the time slot right? What was that? Yeah. yeah, Yeah. They've been at 11. Yeah. So it's like after. Yeah, exactly. So it's like now they're relegated to the ESPN two 11 slot. Like that's. (laughs) That's Not getting good. rough, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that Kansas game, we talked about this kind of ad nauseum. That Texas yeah. game was so weird because of the way they lost to Kansas. If you're right. going to lose to Kansas, you think it'll be like 17 to 16, like this ugly, sloppy game. Right. Pulling right. out all the stops. Like, yeah. Kansas just kept scoring and yeah. kept scoring and kept scoring. Uh, Texas just, and again, this is another thing we've talked about, they're just a team without any confidence, a team without any like ability to close off a team. They don't know how to win. I don't know how you fix that in a week. I mean, there, there's yeah. going to be so, – th- this team right now has to be broken. Yes. You don't lose to Kansas at home. Like, everybody's going to be making fun of you. Your, yeah. Your friends, your siblings, probably your, your own parents, you know, everybody online. Like, this is a tough week. So, two things happen when somebody gets embarrassed. You either kind of, like, come out of that better or you wilt away from it. Mm-hmm. I would say evidence suggests Texas is going to wilt away from this. One. I was going to say, look at just look at the year. Just right. look yeah. at the trajectory of the year. Um, this is a West Virginia team that's beaten Iowa State, right? Uh, they, I think it was in Morgantown. So, like, in Morgantown's always been notoriously tough to play against or play in. And now you add that, they competed decently against Kansas State. Uh, they beat West Virginia at the beginning of the year. They only lost to Oklahoma by three. Like, this is a t- uh, Tech by three. Like, they only lost to Tech by three. So... <sighs> I don't know. The frustrating part about this is like I look at a lot of the numbers and I look at the matchups and I go, I don't know what West Virginia does better than Texas. And yet I'm not shocked they're favored by three. Mm-hmm. Play right, for like, 60 minutes. Right. Exactly. No, that's it. Like it's it's something that you can't look at, like say like, oh, they're running back talent or like, oh, they're throwing for more yards or their defense is stingier. It's like not real. Both defenses aren't great. Um, the running. I mean, West Virginia technically runs the balls about the same as Texas because outside of Bijan and Bijan's we mentioned injuries and all that he's gone downhill the couple uh, past couple weeks um their uh, West Virginia's run defense is good that's kind of it and that's ba- like that's honestly it outside of those one number I was looking at uh West Virginia's top 50 in third down third and fourth down success defense which third and fourth down long third downs have killed Texas this year they cannot if they don't establish that they don't string together first and second down, and typically this is with any offense, right? If you don't string together first and second down, but teams like in Oklahoma, teams like that have that explosive offense, they're not crippled by third downs. Mm-hmm. Texas is crippled by third downs. They are not good at if first if the if the setup plays don't work, they're screwed trying to figure something out, right? Whether it's it's Casey Thompson not being able to make the right read or whatever, or them not being able to pass pro enough to to, to me, that's what it is. Probably yeah. right. It, if you if you're in third and eight, a, a defense no longer has to worry about the run game, yes. and so they can just go after the passer. And that Texas offensive line is just not any good. They mm-hmm. just can't, you know. And so uh, to me, this is a game where. You really are going to find out what those guys inside the locker room care about because the the bowl game is important for the coaching staff. Hundred percent, yeah. Like the players in that room may already have kind of given up on this season, but those coaches need that those bowl games yep. to just figure out what they have, what schemes work, what's going to work for next year. And uh, if they don't win these last two games, they don't get that, and they're just kind of rolling blind into the transfer portal season, and mm-hmm. it's going to get even weirder, I think, for Texas if they don't have those bowl games. Yeah, and I think that 
you mentioned the the extra practice time going into the year just to evaluate. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sark had a there was a pretty uh, stark press conference he had this week where he's talking yeah. about like, yeah, we're gonna have like X amount of new players and blah blah blah, and people were like. Uh, Shahan actually tweeted about this and he's like that's actually a wild thing to say and people were like well actually not really if you consider the signing class and he's like no their, their senior class is small they're basically saying like no like 10 dudes are getting out of here like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. not senior non-seniors are just getting them it'll out it'll be like Charlie Strong when he took over for Matt Brown there yeah. was a max exodus yes. after that first season where Charlie was like look you 12 guys y'all are out of here right. like I don't we don't because yeah. you know, the thing you got to remember here folks if, if you're not familiar with this those those national letters they're only year to year right it's not a guaranteed four years of getting paid so every year the university re-ups that scholarship or doesn't there's going to be a lot of um get into the transfer portal stuff and i and i do think on a side note that's why people should be like less judgy about all the kids that jump into the transfer portal because mm-hmm. about half of them didn't have a choice. I was about right. to say they were they were like you're they were there's cut. no spot for you. They here. were basically yes. cut yes. or oversigned, right? Uh, Alabama will sign 25 kids a year even if they don't have 25 spots because they'll figure out a way to get eight off the books yep. like that. That is what happens in modern college football. So it's it's dog eat dog and but if you're Sark. You can't stay. You can't stand pat, right? No, and you can't just look for one recruit. You, you have, have to get, get rid of them. You have to do what Michigan State did. You mm-hmm. have to get in seven or eight instant impact transfers that make you better at nearly every single position next year. Right. Or next year is going to look just like this year. And we know Texas doesn't have the patience to give you multiple years. And I'll give him credit for because it was risky for him to say that with two games to go. Because like he still has a roster that has to play for him, right? Right. But what that what that did do, I'll say to benefit in in his defense, what that did do is put everybody on alert. Yeah. Right. It's like if they're going to compete. If you, you want to, to stay here, you have to fight for the spot now, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a it could be a double edged. He's walking a tightrope here, where it's like the team could be like, well, I'm not going to be here. Why should I care? Or it could be like the players that do want to be there say, this is my right. spot. Like right. if there's a if there's a third stringer on somebody on the two deep that wasn't playing, he's like, oh. Okay, this is my chance. Like, yeah. you know, he can step up into the field and play against West right. Virginia, play against Kansas State. So, again, it's a tightrope, but I think it's a risk worth taking, announcing that kind of early saying, like, yeah, there's going to be attrition on this roster. So. And it's an announcement of intent yes. on the recruiting trail. 100%. Right? Like, you can walk into – we were joking about this in the office yesterday, I think, or the day before, mm-hmm. where, like, the you know people are going to be like, how can Sark recruit to Texas right now? They just lost to Kansas. Well, how could you not? Spots yeah. free. Right, right. <laughs> you walk into anybody's living room and you go, what position? do you play spots open yeah right you know like yep. i i can't guarantee you that you'll start there but i can guarantee you have every opportunity you can to. basically walk into any position except running back in this country and say like yeah you can compete right yeah like and and, and, with a straight face and, that's it. and mean it yes you know and so um you know maybe center with jake made you know right. there's like a and, couple and, spots and first wide receiver before <laughs> right. that's it right. that's it and so like yeah i think it is one of those crossroad moments for this texas program and if we're looking at it frankly there are 10 or 15 guys on that roster that probably do need to get out of there. They're mm-hmm. not contributing and sure. they're not, they're definitely not playing hard. And so you have to, you can't, it's not the NFL where you can just like cut, cut 80 guys right. and just start completely over from scratch or whatever. You kind of do have to work with what you have, but he's seen what he has and he knows he needs to turn that over as quickly as possible. Yep. Yep. Speaking of another team on a crossroads, Mallory, what's next? <laughs> This is Isha's favorite game of the week, by the way. Yeah. Oh, Texas yeah. State playing at Coastal Carolina this Saturday at 12 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus, and 
Not really a surprise here. Coastal Carolina favored by 24 and a half. They give you that hook just to make you feel a little bit better. They're like, well, you, 24, I wouldn't right. take Texas State. But 24 <laughs> right. and a half, <laughs> I'll take Texas State. That's why casinos keep getting bigger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yes. why they're always very nice is because people are like, that half point really. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Really, they're going to change it for me. What's really like disappointing about this line is that like, Coastal Carolina has lost twice in four weeks recently. Yeah. Texas State has played better in recent weeks. And they're just like, yeah, that does not matter. <laughs> like, no, they're just no. like, that does not matter. Texas State's offense has found a better footing with Tyler Vitt. Um, like I mentioned, down to down, they've been better. They've been more consistent in terms of just being able to move the ball, whether on the ground or through the air. Uh, last week, they should have beaten Georgia Southern. They beat themselves. And I think that's what this line's kind of hinting at is like, it doesn't, it's not going to matter. Obviously, Coastal Carolina is a more talented team, but even if Texas State plays its best game, there will probably be some self inflicted wounds that will play, especially in, uh, uh, um, where's the, uh, Myrtle Beach, um, South Carolina, where in Coastal, where, where it'll just swing in Coastal Carolina's favor. And it could just balloon. Like halftime, it could be like a one score game, but yeah. there might be some cascading effects to where you look and it's like, up they won by 28 you know I think like it, so yeah i think it's also coming from coastal carolina is coming off of a really frustrating loss oh yeah to they just Georgia lost Georgia state, state. Yep. i think it was like a two-point loss so they're probably yeah. going to come into this game pretty mad and upset and wanting to kind of show again what they're made of because you know i don't even think they're ranked anymore you yeah, know no, i think i think state they lost right um, right well, all, so also to your point good good thing you mentioned that this that loss all of a sudden doesn't guarantee them a Sun Belt Championship game, right? Because they now have two losses. App State Abs- is in the East, say. has is five and one in conference. Georgia State and Coastal are both four and two. And the, both of those teams you mentioned have the tiebreaker. Yes, again, exactly. So Carolina. now Coastal's yep. on the back foot, needing help, but they need to make sure that they take care of business. So yeah, I mean it's it's they're gonna win. And they're going to win by a lot. Right, yeah, say, if they're, they're, gonna, they're going they're to be win. like, well, we can't stumble. We can't beat this team by six. We got to like, right. I don't know what the tie. I'll have to look up what the tiebreakers are for the Sun Belt, but they just got to make sure they take care of business completely. Right. So. I do like this offense better with Tyler Vitt in charge of it. And, and, and that's not to say that he's a better quarterback than Brady McBride. I can mm-hmm. see why you see Brady McBride and Tyler Vitt at practice and go, Brady McBride gives us some more stuff to do. Yeah. But they're not do they don't do the basic stuff well enough to add any of that extra stuff. I think Vit makes them have to be purposeful and simplistic, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's better, right? You know, and so I do like that aspect of it. But the thing with Texas State, it's going to be a, a penalty, a block punt. They're going to fumble the ball. Right. They're going to drop an interception. Like, yep. They're just they're going to do and and to pull upsets like the one they would have to this week. You can't play that way. You got to play yeah. a flawless game, right. and you that's have just to, when you're talent right. deficient. You have to make up for it in other ways. You can't be less talented and like less clean of, mm-hmm. a, of a team, and they're probably both of those things this week. So, yeah, uh, yeah Coastal big. You want to hear a wild uh, something wild? Tech State's second technically in the Sun Belt West right now. Sheesh. Sun Belt West is not good. It's it's Louisiana at seven and zero in the West <laughs> in the Sun Belt, and then Tech State two and four. Uh, Monroe, Alabama at two and five, and then Arkansas State at one and. It's five. like Alito's district, right? <laughs> That is a great reference. Oh, geez. What's next, Mallory? Let's get to some uh, good football. Yeah. Up next, we kind of already hinted at this game earlier. SMU playing at Cincinnati this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN. Uh, Cincinnati is favored by an 11 and a half. And before we get into the discussion, I just Mm -hmm. want to put it out there. Cincinnati has not lost a home game since November 10th. 
2017. Ooh, that's a good Four story. years. That's a really good and the second to last team to beat them at home was none other than SMU. Oh, okay. In 2017, but <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. The SMU team that lost back-to-back games there is yes. not the same SMU team that we saw last week. Yes. With yeah. Ulysses Bentley back in the lineup, that SMU offense is again dangerous and balanced on both yep. sides right now. Because Trey Siggers, we've talked, he's a good running back. Good running back. But he's a great number two running back. Yes. He's a great change of pace, kind of bring in the power guy mm-hmm. um, to wear down the defense late. And we saw that happen last week where Bentley kind of made the big plays, Siggers, Siggers made like the solid runs, and then. Mordecai had one-on-one coverage everywhere. And then if you give Roberson, Gray, Calzada, those guys one-on-one coverage, Mm -hmm. that becomes pretty much pitch and catch. And so I think this line is misleading. I think this line is – because sometimes you get into these battles where – People don't watch these teams that much, mm-hmm. right? Like the average game, I'm not watching. You're a ton exactly of SMU. right. You know, like they're, they're looking at Cincinnati's top ten team. Right. SMU's, SMU's not lost ranked. Two out of their last three and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Right. And it's like, well, the SM, like SMU was missing maybe their most important player in yeah. two of those. Games. Maybe not their right. best player, most but, important, but probably yep. their most important player of those two games. Cincinnati's going to be tight. I mean, there's so much riding on this. You know, like. I, I feel like this is this is upset special time. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is one of those where I almost feel like to go on a limb and take SMU because there's always these kind of games. There's mm-hmm. always these kind of games where, you know, that Cinderella hope is right there and then the last couple of weeks something happens to just ruin it. This SMU team can score enough points to make that happen. I don't think they can stop Cincinnati. Right. Uh, but if they get into a shootout, I mean, if they got the ball last, Tanner Mordecai, yeah. they can score points. Yeah, I think this is going to be – I like the strength-on-strength matchup between SMU's offense and this Cincinnati defense. If Ulysses Bentley wasn't here, this would be Cincinnati's game to lose, like, easily. Sure. Because that front seven is nasty. They've... I mean, they lost their defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, to Notre Dame and in the offseason, and they did not miss a beat. That's part of, you know, Luke Fickle's kind of uh, uh, philosophy. But... The fact that they turned over quite a bit on that defense, too, and have still just kept things clicking. And for me, with that being said, I think the the key is going to be SMU's defense. I think it's going to be Gary Wiley and Delano Robinson. Like, those guys stopping a very prominent rushing attack for, you know, mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter um, is, at the beginning of the year, is probably a dark horse Heisman candidate. I think they're running back Jerome Ford. He has almost 900 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns. I think he's questionable heading into the game, which could be massive. Um, the one thing that I'm really curious to see is if SMU can. They've been good against. They've been very good against the rush. The defense has. I believe they're sixth in the country in mm-hmm. EPA per rush uh, defensively. That's Cincinnati's strength. Now, does Cincinnati, who's been inconsistent passing the ball, try to attack a very bad secondary for SMU yes. that is very vulnerable? That's I think, gonna, is going to be the play here because defensively it's going to be strength on strength, a very good rush defense versus a very good rush offense. Where, where Cincinnati can be uh, exploiting in terms of what SMU's weak at, weak, weakest at is against that secondary. I think there are plays to be made there. That's where I worry about it. That's where I worry a little bit more because I, they're going to try to run the ball, and I think mm-hmm. if they kind of have a stalemate there, Desmond Ritter's good enough to be able to hit that read option read over the top where it's like, oop, let me pull that play action and hit a big play. That's kind of what has been his bread and butter uh, at Cincinnati. So 
Um, I'm super excited for this game just because yeah. it is a strength on strength offense uh, for SMU and defense for Cincinnati. But that X factor of the passing game potentially deciding something when it's kind of the weakness of Cincinnati's offense and SMU's defense is a really interesting chess match. I can't wait to see. Ritter's really good too. Ritter, Ritter he's is got a really fascinating quarterback. Yes. 2,400 yards, 22 touchdowns, only six interceptions yep. on the year. They're, he's going to be dangerous against that SMU secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, what Cincinnati's defense does really well is kind of like take away option one. Yeah. Like they, that's, you know, that's like a fickle thing as mm-hmm. well, where like, right. you know, like Belichick does that, where it's like, you're going to figure out that week what, and for me, it'll be interesting to see which one of those things that he takes away for SMU. Will it be load the box, not let Bentley have big plays and mm-hmm. just, you know, see if Mordecai and the passing offense can really torch you downfield if you get some pressure on. Will it be more, we'll give you four or five yards running the ball, but we don't think you'll be patient enough to do that all the way down the field. Because, like, when Bentley's in, this is what intrigues me so much about the SMU offense. When Bentley's in there, your skill position guys are Rice, Roberson, Gray, Calzada, and Bentley. Yeah. Like, who? Calcaterra, too. Yeah, like yeah. who who do you who do you double? Right. Who do you single? Like there's going to be two or three guys, you know, in man on man coverage mm-hmm. and those are mismatches against pretty much anyone, even Cincinnati. And so mm-hmm. um if Cincinnati's offense kind of does one of those slow start things that they've done a few times this year, we could look at the scoreboard and it's like SMU 24, Cincinnati 10, yep. you know, at halftime and then it just comes down to can SMU hold on? And, you know, I, I don't know, but I do think that they can score with Cincinnati and they can create some problems defensively for the Bearcats. Yeah. Similar to, you know, we talked about Houston's strength of schedule. Again, there's a reason why that ranking for Houston means a lot to Cincinnati. It's because you look at their schedule and outside of Notre Dame, it's not a murderer's they, row. They don't right? have that, is a, a, that was a great win at South Bend. Like that is, no, there's a reason why that's their marquee win. But again, USF, Tulsa, Tulane, a Navy team they struggled against, by the way. Um, that's it. Like that, it's it's right. it's a very so this game obviously is an interesting test, but that's why that Houston ranking means so much is because similar to Houston, it hasn't been a strong strength of schedule for Cincinnati. Right, and and even when they do play those teams that they should have handled pretty well, yeah. they don't like they that beat, Navy they beat Tulsa, game. Yeah, the, you, the Navy game was Tulsa not, was twenty at twenty. Right, so they they should be winning these games by a heck of a lot more than they are, and that's probably also what's kind of hurting them too. And that's what I mean. Like they're, they are capable of like slow offensive starts, yep. you know, where yeah. it's like halftime, it's like 10, seven. You're like, why aren't they just crushing this team? And um, I think that can play into SMU's. If they run up against a team where they have that slow offensive start and then that other offense is just good enough to score points. Now mm-hmm. you're down 17 points and you can't run the ball as much and you got to take more chances and you can get them out of their comfort zone. I don't know if anybody's been able to do that to them yet. Right. And I want to see Cincinnati play from behind. I think SMU's offense can maybe give us that scenario where you see S- where you see Cincinnati down and we figure out if that passing attack can really rally them back. Yep. Mallory, let's move on to our another uh, another huge game this weekend. This will be a very interesting one. UTSA yes. hosting UAB this weekend at 2.30 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN Plus and UTSA only favored by four and a half. Craven, what are your thoughts on that? I am a ball of nerves. <laughs> you know, I'm somebody that doesn't get very like wrapped up into things. Uh-huh. You, know, like, you know, people would be like, "What's your favorite team?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't really, I don't really <laughs> yep. root for much of yeah. anything." You know, um, but this, you know, and we've said this eight times out of the ten games I think so far on UTSA schedule. This, er, this is absolutely the most important game. I was about to say, I haven't uh-huh. written down my notes. This is the UTSA's tenth most important game in school <laughs> history this year. Like, <laughs> 
that's like that should, we should just make that an ongoing bit you know <laughs> yes like, like uh UTSA, what, what's the most important game for utsa's you know program this week yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah it's just it's just one of those like that performance against southern miss you almost are glad that it happened then yes because that's the only team right. that just couldn't take advantage of it southern miss is just so inept offensively that they just couldn't they couldn't take advantage of how bad UTSA was playing. Yep. You would imagine, okay, we got that trip to El Paso out of the way. We came back. We played Southern Miss. This one means something. This mm-hmm. is for Conference USA West. This is for our first conference championship game. This is for the ability to host mm-hmm. that conference championship right. game. Everything is on the table. So in my mind, that means UTSA either comes out and they just play one of their best, kind of like UTEP, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we get that version of UTSA where it's mm-hmm. like, man, this team is just good. Yeah. Or we get the tight UNLV, Southern Miss, UTSA, where they seem to, at home, play a little bit more conservative, not just like let it go, and this game is close throughout. Because UAB can just muck this thing up. Yep. They, they can play like ugly-style football and make this thing into a game in the fourth quarter. If I'm UTSA, the most important thing for me is a quick start. Right. Uh, yes. You need a quick start after last week, specifically offensively, just to like take some pressure off and be like, okay, we can move the ball. We can right. score this, you know, like everything's back to normal. That first quarter, it's important in every football game, but it's specifically important in this football game. Right. Yeah. It, this UAB team is interesting to me because it, I'm looking at their schedule right now. And the first game of the season, they shut out Jacksonville State, right? Who goes on to beat, what was it, Florida State that yeah. next week or something mm-hmm. like that? But then they lose to Rice. So it's like, you know, they're a great team. Their schedule says it for themselves, but it's like, what team are you, you going to get? Are you going to get the team that can shut out Jacksonville State, or are you going to get the team that's, that can lose to Rice, you they're know, gonna a couple be weeks up. later? They're going to be up for this one. Yeah. You know, like, you, you, I would, you know, I think that Rice wins, or Rice, yeah, the Rice win is probably like a, you know, UAB probably slept through that one. Right, right. right. Like, uh, whereas this one, you know, they're, they're, they're going to know awake. that they're in a big game. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you get both teams' A, a games, and it's just going to come down to turnovers and just a, a couple plays here and there. Yep. yep. And I think that UAB is going to be one of the better defenses UTSA faces here. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of been – that's been the interesting thing for UTSA this year is because I thought it would be a little bit with UTEP, and obviously they kind of exposed a lot of the, the issues UTEP had on defense. UTSA's defense has – or offense hasn't been tested a lot this year. Mm-hmm. They haven't played many good front seven. Exactly. And so whether it was Memphis kind of taking away what Frank Harris could do a little bit and Sincere McCormick having a big game or, you know, the, or vice versa, teams taking away Sincere, it hasn't been a team really capable of neutralizing both. And again – Part of that is the fact that UTSA is a lot more multifaceted this year, right? They have one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country, in my opinion, this year. Um, Frank Harris, we talked about the steps he's taken forward and the fact that they've been able to give Sincere McCormick a lighter load and him still be a Dope Walker semifinalist. Mm. Um, But, you know, we haven't had outside of like, again, you mentioned the Southern Miss game and that was more of like, Again, the whole team was just kind of eh. It wasn't like the offense was getting shut down or anything. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had that game yet where they look at it and it's like, all right, kind of need to stop here. You know, like the, we, the offense, you know, the offense is – we need something going from the offense, right? We've seen the offense is getting in, in the sh- uh, shootouts with Western Kentucky, but we haven't seen like, all right, offense – it's kind of going here. You know, last week, again, it was kind of a – you knew it was kind of coming, and then eventually Sincere McCormick got a little going against Southern Miss. But we haven't had that slow start, credit to them, offensively yet to where, like, 
all right, what's 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 taking a little while mm-hmm. here? Is Frank Harris going to get going? Is Sincere McCormick going to get going or not? Um, so I don't know. I think I think UAB is the the team, might be the only team on their schedule really that could make that kind of an issue for them. Yeah, that offensive line last week wasn't good. They've got yeah. a couple injuries, and so hopefully some guys are back healthy. And if they're it, like Jeff Trailer built his reputation off of doing a lot with porous offensive lines. Mm-hmm. Like that's that was kind of his thing in Gilmer, yeah. you know. And so uh, he's done that immediately at UTSA. Last week against Southern Miss was the first time it was like, oh yeah, that offensive line's not that yeah. great. Like it's not super talented, and it's definitely not deep. And so. That is the concern against UAB is if that front seven just completely dominates the UTSA offensive line to where there's not running room and there's not a ton of time uh, for Frank Harris back there. Because last week against Southern Miss, we saw a Frank Harris that was more 2019, 2020 Frank Harris, mm-hmm. where he kind of looked deer in the headlights sometimes yeah. where he was like overthink. There was a play at fourth. It was like fourth and one on the three yard line mm-hmm. and he could have just handed it to sincere and he decided to keep it, and he got stopped. Yeah. You know, tackle for loss, turnover on downs, or whatever. And it's just little things like that, like those little decisions. Like, man, I haven't seen Frank Harris make the wrong read right all season long. And so you hope that's just a one-off. And if it is, I think UTSA is the team that should win this game at home. A little bit more offensive yep. talent, um, but there's a lot more pressure. Even though this game has the same stakes for both teams. Mm-hmm. It does feel like more pressure. You know, the, a guy from the Washington Post was at UTSA football practice right. today. Wow. This, you know, this, like, is, this is getting, like, it's becoming this, like, pressure. really big underdog story. And that, these are human beings. They're 20-year-old yep. kids, and, like, that can become a thing. And so we'll see if this team is tight or not. I think it'll show kind of, like, how much, what in Jeff Trailer's words, how much cheese they're eating. Because here's the problem is that <clears throat> because UTSA 6-0 and and undefeated, obviously we know all that. If they lose this game, they lose the tiebreaker mm-hmm. in the West. If you don't make the Conference USA title game, you could be ten and one, eleven and one. You didn't make the conference title game. How yeah. how it will be a great year, but there will always be like, huh? Looking back ten years from now, it's like remember when UTSA? Yeah, but they didn't play. It, it would be Kentucky, unsatisfying, like, right? Yeah. Exactly, completely. And Jeff Trailer would be the first guy to tell you he's like yeah it was a great year but man like that right. uab loss right 10 right. and 2 in a conference championship is better than 11 and 1 and not one 100 you know 1, so there, there are there is a ton uh riding on this game and i'd imagine everyone in the locker room feels that way yep. and nobody in that locker room has beat uab you know this is a this is you know uab wins this game against utsa mm-hmm. every single time they play and so um yeah it, it'll be it'll be an interesting game and it'll be one as much about psyche as yeah. it is about physicality, there's as much going on between your ears in this game and not psyching yourself up too much um, than there is just like the X's and O's. And the, to me, that's when sports become fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when it when it gets in your head like that, I mean, that could be the killer right yeah. then and there. It doesn't matter how how matched you are with this other team. I mean, if you're in your head and you're not playing right. That could be a killer. Because being too keyed up for a game yeah. is as bad or worse exactly. than like if you kind of like Overthinking. slowly yep. walk into a game or whatever. And like, you know, they're already announcing like they're opening up the second like level for students. They've Ooh. had that much like Sheesh. demand yeah. for the student population or whatever. There's going to be close to 40,000 people it's be. in the Alamo Dome. And these guys haven't played in front of that in yeah. the Alamo right. Dome before. It, it's almost easier on the road when everybody's rooting against you and cheering against you. You can just make them quiet by, you know, since Sam McCormick goes 75 yards on the second play yeah. and the Sun Bowl's neutralized. Yep. Right. right? Like at home, there's more pressure. There's there's more, there's heaviness to it. And then you add 
our first ever conference USA game and our first this and all, you know, all those things start to get into a player's head. Even if we, you know, we try to act like, no, you just concentrate on football and you don't, you don't hear that outside noise. Well, they go to class. Yep. They got girlfriends and friends going like, Hey, you know, like, yo, one more. Yeah. Yep. One more. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, an interesting game and it, we're going to learn a lot in the first quarter. If UTSA is playing well in the first quarter, it's like, okay, this is a football game. Yep. If they're struggling in the first quarter, it's like, oh, okay. Maybe the pressure finally got to these roadrunners and we've been talking all year at how it feels like it's too much too soon. Sure. And when is that, when is that wall is it going to catch up hit? to them? Right. Yep. Exactly. And, uh, it feels like, you know, almost kind of like me picking SMU over Cincinnati when everything is going in one team's direction mm-hmm. and like everybody is like UTSA, UTSA, UTSA. Like that's, that tends to be when like the rug gets pulled out from, mm-hmm. from under. Right. And so if I'm, if I'm the coaching staff, that's what I'm worried about the most, not the X's and O's, not how we match up, but if our guys are just ready to play a football game on Saturday right. and not worry right. about all the other stuff. Well, and even kind of going back to that SMU and Cincinnati game a little bit, it's kind of the same thing. You know, what does SMU have to lose in this right. game? Cincinnati mm-hmm. needs this win way more than SMU does. So, yeah, I mean, getting in your head and stuff like that, it could be really Because UAB really can just go, look, everybody, nobody's yeah. even talking about us. Right. right. Yeah. Like, no, but nobody's even mentioning us in this game. We, if we win this game, we go to the same place that they would have, you know, like nobody's right. even talking about that. So, yeah, they can go in there and just play. And they're on the road, you know, they, mm-hmm. us against them, right? Us against everybody mentality. That's an easy thing to coach. Yeah. Right. Up next, another – I think I think this is a good one. Yes. UTEP hosting Rice this weekend at 3 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. UTEP favored by nine. And, man, does UTEP need this win. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Y'all yeah. know I love over and unders. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 47. Really? really? Yeah. Okay. Which is more than I, I was about to yeah. say. That's a lot. That it would be because we the points per game averages right here um, only gets us to forty two. Right. Right. If like both offenses score what they average scoring, so I thought I thought that one was a little bit interesting. Yeah. I guess Rice's offense has played better. You take away those four interceptions, they probably score yep. more than twenty one points against Western Kentucky. This feels vitally important for UTEP. There's so much. There was. It, it reminds me of that. Uh, you, you ever been to a car, you ever been to like a carnival or something where they put like it's like the inflatable thing where they get you on like a tether. Yes, and it's like the race with the next person. Right. And you sling. That's that. This this four game losing streak or it was four game losing streak. Three. Uh, yeah. Three game losing streak. Um, reminds me of that where they're like, oh, they're bowl eligible. They're running to the end, and it whoop, and then just they like just the reality s- just yanks them back, and it's right. like it's been such a reality hit for them where it's like. Okay, maybe they're not quite as good as we thought. They're still bowl eligible, but how much can you take that if you're riding into that bowl on like a five-game losing streak, you know, which is, again, if they lose this game, is they're staring that distinct possibility in the face. So, I yeah, seven a seven-win year going into a bowl is so much better than like going into it with like a four-game, five-game losing streak. And possibly not getting an invite. Also that. Right. If enough of the power right. five schools get to six and six, yeah. you know, where those spots get taken, you know, it's happened. I've, it's happened to UTSA. It's happened in Texas State. Yeah. Um, They're going to look at the end of their schedule and be like, mm, right. I'm not sure they if, really if deserve you're, it you're over on a five a game losing streak. Five. Yep. You don't have this huge traveling fan base. Right. 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 Like UTEP's going to like draw a bunch of people to Shreveport or wherever it is that they end up. There's a real possibility that UTEP kind of gets left hanging. 
if they go six and six. Yep. UAB yep. is last on the schedule. UAB, uh-huh. UAB could be playing for everything. That yep. Week, right. And so this is it. This is the time to get that seventh win and guarantee you a spot in a bowl game. You're at home. You're playing against a Rice team who is pretty hapless a lot of the times. The scary part of your UTEP is that Rice offense, like we're saying, has turned a little bit of a corner under Jake Constantine playing quarterback. You need some. You need some turnovers. You gotta yes. get. You gotta get turnovers. That defense needs to start playing like it did the first half of the season, and One, not how it's been playing the last. One thousand percent. That defense has been past couple of weeks, and I, I think part of it is that the offense is not generating the big plays that it used to, and so it's not staying on the field. So when you so UTEP, of course, we've talked about down to down wants to be a run the ball team, right? They obviously have the great wide receivers, but that's more of a setup to what those wide receivers can do. They want to be able to run the ball. All year, they haven't really been able to run the ball. It's been those big plays. That's what's sustained this team. The past couple weeks, it has not been there. The big play hasn't been there. It's almost as if teams are like, yeah, we'll worry about that. You, we'll let you run the ball. That's exactly what day. North Texas yeah, did. Exactly. North Texas played two high safeties. Yes. 95% of that game. Yep. Right. And so it's like, we'll let you run the ball because your running back room's banged up and your offensive line does not have the, 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 the front foot to be able to knock us over. So you can run the ball for three yards of carry all game you want. Mm-hmm. And... Now that's it's hurting their defense because they're not able to stay on the field because they can't sustain drives. And I was looking at uh, I think Brett Bloomquist from the um, Paso Times tweet uh, had this article up about just about talking about Danny Demel heading into the game. North Texas ran 82 plays on that defense mm-hmm. yeah. like that. And again, this is a North Texas offense that is not, not the North Texas great. offense that we're used to seeing is not very good. And UTEP's defense could not get a rest. Mm-hmm. And now you go up against another Rice, another offense that is actually playing better than North Texas's offense recently. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm worried about. I really am worried about it because part of me wants. I think UTEP just needs. To, they need to admit that they can't run the ball this year. I really do. Like their teams are going to let them run the ball because their running backs aren't healthy. The, Deion Hankins basically played himself into you know playing condition this whole year. Um, they just – I don't know. They need to embrace more of what that – you have two, to me, dark horse NFL caliber wide receivers. Justin Garrett, Jacob Cowan. And a like, pretty good quarterback, pretty too, good. who's he's, been Again, he's not, he's not the most accurate guy, but he's a big play arm guy. Right. I think you need to test defenses more consistently. And I know that goes against everything Dana Dimmel has ever done in his coaching career going back to Kansas State. But for this year and the past couple weeks, teams figuring you out, I think you just need to say, mm-hmm. you know what? This Rice team can be beaten. We can torch this secondary, like yeah. straight up. And he needs to, I don't know. I think he just needs to cut the brakes and like let something go. Yeah. yeah. The problem there is, is the offensive line good enough to hold up Fair. for that many attempts? I think the running game, even if it isn't overly effective, mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it kind of gives that offensive line some help when they do pass the ball fair mm-hmm. it, it allows a play action pass it gets a safety to overreact and now all of a sudden justin garrett's on top of somebody or mm-hmm. jacob cowling's on top of somebody it makes teams not be able to double both of those guys right. because right. you got to have somebody else in the box so I, I think it's more of a necessary evil mm-hmm. but to your point the problem for utep's offense is they're just they're horribly efficient yes i mean it, it is either they're scoring or they're three and out mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty much there isn't much of a of a difference there and when they're scoring it's you know on two or three four play drives to where that's just as quick of a turnaround for your defense they end up playing 80 snaps and even if utep is improved they're not deep yep 
like depth is something that's good. It's always hard. That's the last thing to come for a good program. Mm -hmm. like depth is the hardest thing to secure at the G5 level. And they're just not there yet. And they don't have the drop off from, you know, their number one linebacker to their number three linebacker is massive. And when you play against 82 snaps, you have to rotate. Yeah. You just have to. And North Texas was able to take advantage of that. UTSA was able to take advantage of that. And this Rice offense is good enough to take advantage of that. Um, so it comes down to if UTEP can score offensively and kind of keep the ball and be more efficient and sustain some drives, not only to score points, but like you said, to kind of just give that defense a breather so they can keep their best players out there as much as possible. Yep. And for Rice, I mean, we mentioned it. Offense has been clicking. Again, overtime lost North Texas, overtime lost to Charlotte. Four ran interceptions. Up, four interceptions. Ran up against a buzzsaw last week against Western Kentucky. Yeah. But they have been playing. Again, this is a team that got blanked 45 nothing against UTSA, mm -hmm. right? Since that game, I, it, there's, I don't think there's a coincidence that Rice and Western Kentucky both had a loss at UTSA <laughs> and then just absolutely <laughs> flipped a gear and obviously in different capacities. But Western Kentucky now looks like they'll win the East. Rice is playing a lot better since that point. Um, and this is a different team. And so defensively, I think there are obviously major issues, but the issue for this team has always been the offense and that's starting to turn a new leaf. So right. we'll see. Up next, TCU hosting Kansas this Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch this game on Big 12 Network and or ESPN Plus. TCU favored by 21 points. I really think, honestly, Kansas is like, you know what? We got our we got our token win last week. We're good. <laughs> I, maybe, We're good for the rest of the season. <laughs> maybe. See, like before last week, the Kansas, like obviously if I would have watched the Kansas game, I would have been like, oh man, Kansas is pretty good. The Oklahoma, TCU lost to Oklahoma State 63 <laughs> to 17. I am terrified of this line. <laughs> I I never thought I'd live to see a TCU defense give up eight rushing touchdowns. <laughs> to an Oklahoma State offense, that's not good. Because <laughs> I would have just started kneeling the ball offensively, <laughs> like just to not give them the time. It's like the, it's like the Pop Warner thing where you're like, we're just better. Right. We got to like, start <laughs> kneeling the right. ball to these kids. Well, like. and, that, and it's the most embarrassing way to get blown out because the other team can't stop doing it. You right. know? You're like looking across and you're like, stop scoring on us. And they're like, we tried. We're running the ball. <laughs> like, we, <laughs> we ran the same power play seven times in a row. It's not my fault that your linebacker runs away from the hole. <laughs> So like it's just it, it's just crazy to see it. We probably should have predicted it, yeah. You know, because it's like they they beat Baylor and they're just riding this high and like those things just don't last. Reality, like real yeah. life. You know, yeah. like it's not this isn't Varsity Blues or something right. like that. Like Chandler Morris was destined to come back down to earth. That defense was going to be more the team we saw play for eight games and not just the Baylor game. Yep. And all of those things kind of combined against what we already have talked about is a really good Oklahoma state team that kind of a dark horse for the college football playoff who needs to blow teams out yep. right, to kind of increase that. So this kind of, and then Kansas is kind of feeling probably what TCU felt the week exactly. before, you know, exactly. where you're coming off this big win, everything's great. People are texting you and calling you and, kids in class are like hey man great win we you know awesome and it's hard to get back up again mm -hmm. for another game so this tcu team feels like one who has something to prove after getting blown out by you know 40 something points last week and this kansas team feels like one that's already accomplished anything that it needs to accomplish this, this year <laughs> we beat texas for good. <laughs> that, yeah you yeah. get that one big win you can use that on the recruiting trail exactly you know, like, and so 
I don't know if I would take TCU to beat anyone by 21 points, though. Right. Yeah, that's, a, that's just, a huge line. Yeah, and you just don't know what this Kansas team is. I was like, about to I say, I have no I, idea. I think they're, I mean, I think one thing is clear they're a better coach team than they've been in the past. I think Lance yeah. Leipold is yeah. doing a very good job there so far, especially with. Again, he took the job what in June or something like that. It was like very, it was like a very late hire for him. Did you, did you watch the Texas Kansas game and listen to the announcers trying to parse through his like stat, like yeah, the, the like it, it was like watching somebody from like 1980, right? Like get dropped into modern football. And yes. Be like, well, there's no way he'd go for it on. Fo- <laughs> like, why would he try to seal the game right here? You know, and you're just like, what? Like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way math can say this. Right. Like, what are you talking about? It's, it's guy? you know, he's Lance Leipold again. It was such a weird. I don't want to say weird. It was a good hire, but it was a late hire. He, I believe, uh, Emmett Jones was the interim coach for about like three months or so, like until uh, Lance Leipold took the job, and he was a good coach at B- Buffalo, like. He's turned this team into not an embarrassment, Mm -hmm. right? Which is very hard to do at Kansas in year one. Um, And what I will say is that offensively, they're not great. But there's one key stat that I do like about this team. So first of all, they're 48th in EPA per pass. They're actually pretty competent passing the ball. They are fifth in echo rate in on offense. If they sustain, if they get a good drive going, they are finishing that drive wow. with points. And that is very impressive for, again, a team that has a, a significant talent gap between them and the rest of the field. I just think that, obviously, I think I will, I, TCU should be a massive favorite in this game, but this is a game where a 14-point win, 17-point win wouldn't stun me because this is a team that Kansas, the Lance Leibold offensively, is a good coach. And if TCU fumbles the ball, it has a little turnover, which, again, your Channel Morris, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Zach Evans is still out. Um, if they turn the ball over, Kansas is finishing that drive probably in plus territory. So um, defensively, of course, I don't think Kansas will be able to stop. I just think talent just absolutely plays in TCU's favor. Even a poorly playing TCU team, I think, will be able to uh, beat this team. So um, I probably will take Kansas to cover, but I will definitely take TCU outright. I don't think we're an upset watch here. Mm-mm. Up next, Baylor is traveling to Kansas State this Saturday at 4.30 p.m. You can watch this game on FS1. Kansas State only favored by one. It's made my eyes get bigger when I saw the line. I I, I think it's I want to say it might, it might have even gone to a pick them like since we've been on the air. I feel like I've seen that somewhere, but it started out there was Kansas one of them State, like minus two, minus two and a half. For a little while. I think it was even like that earlier this morning because I created this this rundown. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, and at different sites ago. have different lines. Yeah, you know, right, it, right. It's so fickle and stuff like. You know, if Mattress Matt comes in and puts a bet behind Baylor right now, that line's shifting in the mid, you know, so like it it can be very fickle. Like we've talked about on the show, it's not necessarily a prediction. It's like a way to get 50% of the money on both sides of the line so the casino can just pay the winners with the loser's money and keep the big. Um, I feel like Baylor should win this game Mm -hmm. relatively easily. Like I I just don't, I I guess the, the times I've seen Kansas State, Maybe this has been because I've watched them against like a Texas Tech team mm-hmm. and stuff. It just is always it just feels like they're not they're not as good as they've been in past years. I mean, Chris Kleiman's a great coach mm-hmm. and uh, they can run the ball on occasion and stuff like that. But Baylor does everything that Kansas State does better. So Fair. to me, this feels like a game where kind of Baylor just kind of overpowers and out physicals Kansas State and kind of beats them at their own game. That's fair. I think that. One, I think Vegas is playing into the fact that Baylor has not won a Big 12 away game outside of Kansas. 
Um, granted, one of those games was an upset against TCU and then uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Uh, I believe that Kansas State has also been very good at home this year. Their losses were a six-point loss to Oklahoma, a 13-point loss to Iowa State, and they've beaten everybody else, basically. So I think that's uh, even going back to, yeah, Stan- they beat Stanford, they beat Nevada, so they've beaten good teams at home. So I think that's where that line probably comes into play. Um I'm with you. I definitely would take Baylor outright in this game. I think that last week kind of put this Baylor team in a new headspace, right? All of a sudden, conference titles on the line now. You're, you know, the Big 12 title games in 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 view. Like they're a team that now knows like, okay, we're back in the driver's seat. Like we mm-hmm. can control a lot of what happens here towards the end of the year. And that's kind of why I think that I'm with you. I think Kansas State's a very well-coached team. I just don't think that the thing, like you mentioned, the things they're good at, Baylor's also good at and better at. So I'll lean in Baylor's favor as well. But I can see some of the wrinkles to be like Baylor struggled on the road. Kansas State's really, really interesting at home. Maybe that sets it up. Uh, maybe that sets up. Why the line is so? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. gotta be careful. You gotta be nervous if you're Dave Aranda, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like Kansas State's just firing Texas coaches all all throughout the year. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. God. Like, you, you play against Kansas State, you lose, you get fired. Oh and so, God. Yeah, that's you know, a great. Aranda's gonna be a little nervous. <laughs> you know? Gotta win this one. <laughs> yeah. I think he's got some other opportunities lined up if this one doesn't work. Right. Out for him, right? <laughs> and that and that's honestly jokes aside. That's yeah. something to pay attention to here. That his right? name like it's is starting, not going. Uh, it's starting to bubble. Was it Feldman that tweeted yeah. out that he's yeah. he's like it's a USC candidate? Starting to bubble. I've I've mentioned it in a few articles, and yeah. like people have yelled at me in my mentions because right. they're like, I can't believe somebody at Dave Campbell's would say somebody to leave Baylor. And it's like well, it just happened. It literally you know? just happened. <laughs> like, right. it just it just happened. And you know, Aranda's really really good, yeah. and he's the kind of guy who athletic directors like to work with and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's the kind of dude you want leading your program. His name's going to get mentioned more and more. There's a lot of guys inside that locker room that probably have some PTSD when it comes to to that mm-hmm. process and how that works. They've mm-hmm. gone through it with Matt Rule before. And so it's about keeping everybody together and focused on this thing, even with all that outside noise. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of which Baylor team shows up. Is it the one that – kind of looked past TCU and, and kind of got their pants pulled down a little bit because they were unprepared for that game? Or is it the one who came out and just straight physically dominated Oklahoma? Because if it's the one we saw last week, I think they beat Kansas State by a touchdown. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I think that one of the other things to hit on some Texas ties for Kansas State, we got Deuce Vaughn. Deuce. Like, Deuce Vaughn might be one of the best playmakers that Baylor's played this year. Like, again, yeah. and this is the team that just played Oklahoma, right? And I'm saying, yeah, I, I, like, love, I love him. He is so good. I saw him his senior year at Cedar Ridge. Yeah. That is a dude where I was like, how'd they let him get to Kansas State? Like, yeah. that is, <laughs> yeah. is nuts. And he's, I mean, again, he's a Blinnikoff, uh, sorry, Doak, Walk, Doak finalist. Um, he's coming off three straight games now of over 100 yards rushing. That's a guy that can break a game open. Yeah. Like Baylor's defense and rush defense specifically is very good. They're allowing under four yards a carry. But if there's a guy that can probably break through that, it's Deuce Vaughn. Mm-hmm. He just has no strike zone. Oh, 100%. You know, no, it's yeah. like a pitching to a little batter. Right. You know, you're like, that guy is 4'11". There's no strike right. zone there. He's <laughs> like, 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 low. Yeah, like, he gets lower. Yeah, you're like, yeah, it's like <laughs> what do I do? no, you got to win the leverage battle. It's like, no, you cannot <laughs> yeah, right. possibly win. Like, my knees don't bend that that <laughs> right. far. Um, so, yeah, he's just, a, he's just a little tank, man. He's a great kid. I was in the Austin area when he was dominated in Round Rock. He's just a he's just a good dude from a good family. I'm glad he's uh, achieving. Kansas State was the perfect fit for him. It really was. He really just yeah. looks like a great Kansas State, you know, running back. Yep. 
Up next, North Texas playing FIU at FIU this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN3 and North Texas favored by 10. Yeah. North uh, Texas is going to get to five wins. I was about to say. Into that last week. FIU is in a bad they're, spot right they're, now. They're bad. Butch Davis basically yeah. just came out and said, like, yeah, this sab- this administration is sabotaging the football program. There yeah. might not be a football program for much longer. There might uh, not be. I think people were joking about uh, – during the TCU search that Dion Dion took his name or they took it they took him out of consideration. I was like, FIU needs to hire Dion. They could use somebody like Dion firing up people because like there's they can't afford Dion. No, they can't afford Dion. But the, my, that was my point was like a program like this that just downtrodden, no excitement, theoretically should be good. Like this is the program that should be hiring a Dion type figure. But long story short, North Texas should absolutely win this game because it's a lame duck head coach situation. Bush Davis has said he's retiring. He's or leaving. I don't know if he's retiring, but he's definitely resigning. Um, and he more or less said that the administration is sabotaging how bad the football program is. So this is a team that uh, also lost to Texas State. The, I I was not impressed at all with the, when they play uh, the offense. Bordenschlager quarterback was decent, but that was kind of it. And everything else, I was just like, yeah, this team's this team's bad. Yeah, I was going to say to throw a bone at FIU's way. Their quarterback's not bad. He's Bordenschlager got 2,500 yards on the season. Yep. So they're going to be able to, I think, pass the ball, but they, they just can't score. They yeah. can't get in the end zone, right. which is obviously what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, for North Texas, it's uh, you know, it comes down to like how well you can you can play when things are starting to look good again, right? You know, like the last couple of weeks, you've been an underdog. People have kind of like you know, kind of already thrown you in your grave, and inside that locker room, you can go, look, everybody's given up on us, you know, and you can mm-hmm. you can kind of play with that passion. You've seen them play really hard the last few weeks. After that Marshall game, this looks like a much different North Texas team, even in that loss to Liberty. But now things are starting to look good again, right? People are starting to pat you on the back again. Things are starting like, can you continue? Can you keep that edge, yep. right? Can you yep. keep that edge on the road? I guess an FIU, FIU team that you know, beat UTEP. You know? Yeah. So they, they've beaten a couple of good teams, specifically at home. That's a long trip uh, for Texas schools. But, yeah, I just there's it's so much going on right now at FIU. Um, that it's it's hard to imagine the players inside that locker room can fully focus on football right now. North mm-hmm. Texas should be the more prepared team, and they have something to play for, right? They went yes. out, they go to a bowl. Yep. So that's got to be the carrot, you know, that all those those places players are chasing, and you need that in college athletics. You need something to play for. North Texas has that, and I think that gives them an immense advantage this week. I agree. Who is FIU's lone win this year? Oh, it's isn't it a gift? It, it, it's not an FBS team, is no, it? No, it's not an FBS. I didn't team. think so. It's the first game of the season. Yes, that they played. I Long don't Island Sharks. <laughs> so yeah, that's Long that. Island has a football team. That is that. Yeah, I'm always surprised that New York plays football. So well, they got a cool little logo, I guess. <laughs> every, I learn every, something every day. Every year, somebody tells me about these <laughs> this college of Syracuse and Rutgers. I'm like, they play football. I don't. Know. <laughs> actually, Rutgers. that's bad. Rutgers is actually pretty good this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, to close it all out, Texas Tech is playing at home against Oklahoma Oof. State this weekend at 7 p.m. You can watch this game on Fox. And Oklahoma State only favored by 10 and a half. Yeah. That's uh, a pr- do you think that line is a little low? Or do you think the noise in Tech is still going to make a difference? I think it's a fair line considering where Tech was last week. Like after that. Right. I feel after like that 62-yarder. Right. Like <laughs> unlike – and here's the thing. Unlike um, – uh, uh, TCU's upset win over Baylor. I don't look at that tech win and be like, whew, that's never happened. Like, nothing ever like that's ever happening again. Right. 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 It was more like a, 
you just saw a team that was up for it a lot more as opposed to like a team like flying by the seat of its pants and like Not Donovan Smith didn't throw for 500 yards. Mm-hmm. Right, It just looked like a very sound game plan. And I think Oklahoma State's going to win this game, but I think Tech's going to be up for this. I really do. I think like there is an energy around that program now, right? They know that I feel like behind the scenes, they probably know that Sonny Cumbie's going to stay with the program for in some capacity. And so like they know that they're playing for a guy that's going to be around. It's not a lame duck situation. They know the guy that's coming in now. There is an energy around that program. Donovan Smith looks to be pretty solid. I'm, he's not a, He doesn't look like a world beater, but if you can call the right game for him, again, this is going to be a much bigger test for him. Oklahoma State's the best defense in the conference. But, you know, this is this is, I, I, this is, doesn't look like a team that's overmatched, and I think last week was, in, was indicating of that. Right, and what we were talking about earlier, Oklahoma State's offense just being meh, and especially when you get Spencer Sanders on a really bad day where he can throw three or four picks. You know, Texas Tech picked the ball off twice last week against Mm -hmm. Iowa State, so if they catch Spencer Sanders on a – I mean, of course, you got to take into account, you know, Oklahoma State's defense and stuff like that. They're going to have to be able to score if they do pick the ball off. But, you know, if they catch Spencer Sanders on a bad game and – you know, able to pick the ball off a couple times and actually make something out of that, it could be a pretty close game. I think Oklahoma State destroys Texas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Teppard said that last week against uh, Iowa State and Texas Tech, and look what happened. So I'm here to say, hold your horses a little bit. <laughs> I, I think it. I think it looks. I think it. The same thing happens to Texas Tech that just happened to TCU. You know, you're. Yeah, you're on the big win. You kind of – a coach gets let go. You start playing with all this energy. You have this big win, and you just can't carry that over. You can't keep that going. Like, it only lasts for so long. You right. just become a football team again. This week, I think they're just a football team again. And this Oklahoma State team and, – and they've reached their bowl game, right? They got the sure. six wins. Yeah. They had the big emotional win. They've had a new coach come in. I, I just feel like there's got to be an emotional dump. Yep. Right. There just has to be some flatness that's going to be. And Donovan Smith has tape on him now. Oklahoma State Fair. had a full game to see what he does well, what maybe he struggled with. He's not going to play as well. I think it'll be like Chandler Morris where, you know, you, you look at that stat line, and you're like, man, he had a rough go of it. And it's just because Oklahoma right. State, one, is, is really good on defense, and they're not going to be caught by surprise the way the previous opponent was in Chandler Morris's first start or in Donovan Smith's first start. Cause that was his first college start against Iowa state, just like it was Chandler Mm -hmm. Morris's first start against Mm -hmm. Baylor or whatever. So uh, I think Oklahoma state because of what they have to play for, because what they're good at and they need style points Mm -hmm. as much as anyone else, you know, Cincinnati, Oklahoma state probably needs style points more than any of the top seven, eight teams on that poll. I think they go into Lubbock and just, just bully. I think bully <laughs> Texas Tech because that Texas Tech barely hung on. Sure. I mean, they, they sure. were like, yeah, they had to kick an like, unbelievable field goal if, to win if, that game. If yeah. football halves lasted 35 minutes, yeah. Iowa State wins that football yeah, game right. going away. I mean, you could, you could start to see the emotion wear off in the second half of the Iowa State game. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it can possibly carry over. Um, but like Mallory said, the one hope I think is you get Spencer Sanders on an off day because mm-hmm. the wind can go and it can get weird in Lubbock and stuff like that. But I think they just go, we're going to run the ball 45 times Rob's to do what to Texas and TCU did to <laughs> yeah. Tech. Right. They have, they have Warner running back. They, they shouldn't have to rely on Spencer Sanders. I will say I agree that the emotional dump is coming. I think it's next week. I think at Baylor is when it happens. Yeah. I don't know if it happens on, on in senior day in Lubbock. That one. So 
Joey McGuire. I know he's not coaching, Ooh. right? But the in-state battle down in Waco <gasps> with your coach ties, and you've probably played against. There's gonna be a little the, spark there. The in-state game, and if Baylor's playing for, you know, they That's win, fair. they go to the Big Twelve. I think you can get back up for that one. Okay. It just feels this like this you one just might made be a the... sixty-two yarder yeah. to like beat Iowa State, and you get to a bowl game, yeah. and all. It just feels like one of those like humbling experiences is okay. coming. Uh-huh. So I, you, we feel the opposite. I feel that I feel that they're not going to ride. A, I still think Oklahoma State is going to win. I'm not saying I'm not predicting the upset here, but I still think they're still able to be up for it because it's the last home game in Lubbock for the year, things like that. And then the dumps coming next week. You think dumps coming this week, then ride back up for the emotional high rivalry right. game, Baylor right. uh, chance to knock them off, things right. like that. Okay, that's fair. We'll. Right. No. I think they're going to win out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm kidding. <laughs> I did. I was like walking back to my car from Lubbock yeah. after that kick thing. And yeah. like, uh, you know, you just overhear people talking and yeah. they're like, eight and four, baby. Here oh, we come. Lord. You know? and you're just oh, like, Lord. No. <laughs> Don't do you, no. you should listen to our podcast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah eight and four. Like, yeah. man, you're getting. That's, that's, that's a little dangerous. Oklahoma State and Baylor. Not gonna, like, Sonny Cumbie should be the head that's coach right. if they go eight and four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like if I'm Sonny Cumbie and we go eight and four, right? I'm like, I'm yo, like, what's, hey, what's up hey. being your coordinator? Hey, yeah. How about co-head coach? Yeah. <laughs> Can we do that? Oh man. Oh geez. Well, yep. So that's that's basically the whole slate of games. Uh, Mallory, as we were recording, did you see the big news on Michigan State? Oh no. They're working is- on a historic ten-year, ninety-five million dollar contract extension for one Mel Tucker. All right, I like that. And that is that from going money. to LSU. Detroit, get that huge. money. Detroit Free Press putting that out. So, Mallory, you can breathe a sigh of relief that your guy is Stay now in. a nearly $100 million head coach <laughs> in college. Yeah, football. you can breathe a sigh of relief that LSU now has to pay more money to hire him. <laughs> Craven, I don't want to talk about it. I'm, I'm already scared about that. I just, LSU's I, offered $115 million. $101 million? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's gonna be. They're just gonna every time I see one of those extensions, even like trailers at UTSA, yeah. like the only it thing can I can always... think of is like the wire is like price of brick went up. <laughs> the, yep. This, yeah, yep. The price of the brick just went yeah, up. Yeah, that's because that, that's all that that is yes. right. That's not yeah. that's not saying that Mel Tucker is off the job market. That's right. saying it now costs do you a really lot want of Mel money. To, yeah. To do do you want Mel Tucker or do you really yeah, want exactly. Mel Tucker? Because <laughs> if you don't really want him. He's fine. Right, yeah. Right, exactly. Yep. He's, he's doing just be, fine. He's not going to be looking else. Gosh, I should have been a coach agent. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? College oh coaching gosh. agent. <laughs> Beautiful. Has to be the great. If, even if you get fired, the money's still guaranteed, oh, right? There's right. like over $500 million of dead money in Jimbo's college football. agent has to be like the envy of everybody in that industry. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. like 75 guaranteed, or right. we walk, and then like, Sure. Guess we got. Guess we got to sure. do it. <laughs> and then every year there's a job that opens up that you can be like, well, you know. What's your bonus structure look like? Say, yeah. Because if not, I hear LSU. I mean, like Lincoln Riley's doing it right now. Right. You know, like Lincoln yep. Riley's either going to be the next head coach of LSU or an even richer man in Norman, Oklahoma. He can yep. pick whichever one he'd like. And so to be uh, in that position, man, man. to be a coaching agent where like you don't have to win or lose. You don't have to do all that kind of stuff. You just like get your three percent. Mm-hmm. I should have been. That's what I should have done. <laughs> Agency. Uh, Stu Mandel also tweeted that it will be entirely funded by two wealthy donors. Yes, there, there. I don't know wild. the story, but one of them is just those, a, a multi-billionaire. Probably too, Magic so. Johnson. Um, <laughs> I have no he's, idea. He would tweet something the super obvious about it, though. You know, like, glad to donate to my yeah, school. Yeah. Magic Johnson. Get you know, he like say his name and third person. Like Magic Johnson tweeting is like my favorite thing in the world. 
That's amazing. Oh, anyway, this looks like a weekend of uh, we've had these weekends where it's like, oh, it's going to be an interesting weekend. And then it turns out to be a great weekend of some kind. I feel like this might be the chance to be that where you're looking at you're just like, there's a solid list of games here. There's not really like that dynamite, like, oh, my God game. There's some right. like for UTSA, obviously, there's meaningful games. But like usually there's an interstate matchup, interstate matchup where you're like, ooh, you know, Houston Tech or something like that or something crazy. Houston SMU. There's not that type of game this mm -hmm. weekend, but. Got some storylines to watch out for. So, so Craven's, it's, it's so heavy. Craven's doing a double header this weekend. Yep. So yep. that'll Houston be Friday, yep. San Antonio on Saturday. I'm going to be a basket of emotions. <laughs> you really, Saturday. Saturday's going to be a big moment for you. All right, first of all, don't rush the field if they win. No, no, I don't have the knees. <laughs> I don't have the knees or have the, energy for that. I, could you, you have the credential on? So I'm you can't. Think, I'm trying to think of what it would have ever taken in my life to rush a field. Really, to rush anywhere. I don't rush to my car. <laughs> I don't rush when I eat. You know, like I, I don't think I've ever been moved. Oh man, enthusiasm wise, to be like, I'm gonna. I'm, I gotta hurry to this thing, <laughs> you know. Like that's that's not something that ever, you know. Like I like serious. This is just dead, dead yeah, serious. Yeah. When I would go to a football game as a fan growing up, yes. I was the kid who was like, "Dad, can we just sit here for thirty minutes and let the stadium clear out? Like, why are we gotta like go? Yeah, right. Yep. Dude. Yep. Because people the just run people. into the aisles, you know, and you just stand in there like it's like just let's just sit. Let's <laughs> just fair. sit here. And we I'm just... I'm the guy that goes like when I go to a high school game. I'm the guy that just like waits for everything to file out. Like I'll yeah. par I'll park near an exit and if I can sneak out, I will. But like if I see the line developing, I'm like, I'll chill for 45 minutes. That's and my favorite like, part yep. about being media. Yes. I get to the game before there's traffic yes. and I leave after oh. the traffic is gone. Oh. I never even have, like people are like 80,000 people are going to be there. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Like, I'm parking before they start parking and yep. they're partying by the time right. I'm like leaving <laughs> the thing. And it's beautiful. That's That and you don't have to like, sit around people going call the touchdown play right. you know like that's that's my favorite part um of being media honestly. i'm just saying Free that food. if yeah. north texas upsets utsa i'm rushing the field i'm already on the field anyway <laughs> but i will be the i will be the leader in that <laughs> setting the, the example yeah, of almost, it <laughs> i almost want to see it just so we can have video i know right that's like, gonna happen like, <laughs> like i what i'm envisioning is like the baylor student section you oh, know yeah, how they like, and like the but like mallory <laughs> just like leading her the way through it and then like the cops stopping everyone else, so it's really just. I Mallory. got a credential. Like just, I'm just, the, right, I will be the only one right. rushing. The but like field. nobody's <laughs> rushing behind you, so it's just I'm like, like oh, Mallory gosh, is on, like guys. Will Ferrell in old school. I know that's, <laughs> yeah. I know that's like always my reference. But like, you know, just like we're going streaking. You know, and it's like nobody's streaking. Nobody's, and nobody's like going with you. It's like, what are you doing? Like I'm going to KFC. You know, like what are we doing? We'll see. we'll see if that happens. I would, I would pay for that to happen. Now, so we'll see. Man. We'll see if that's that gonna be a super interesting game. Too. That really oh, is because you have, you have, you have. A conversational game on the line potentially for UTSA. You have set the Charles job on the line, maybe. I don't and know. If full eligibility game, too. I was about to say yeah. eligibility. So if, like, if, if they win UTSA that game, wins against UAB, they got nothing to play that's for. That's true, right? Because yeah. like UAB would have two losses. That's true. And yeah. so like so have, you know, like so they're clear. They're clearing away, and so you could have theoretically you got a North Texas team that a win puts them in a bowl game, and a UTSA team that's already looking to the conference championship game that next right. week. That gets super interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. They just got to beat UAB first. Yep. And yep. we will see if they do that Saturday. We will see you guys Sunday for the recap edition. Loaded slate. So we'll talk to you guys then.